And then you said something about Freddie meeting somebody. Yeah. I doubt that that would occur. <laughs> and but, but, happiness. Uh, when she gave up on me, I gave up. I do love. We are. Rebecca but, but, already said it's going to happen. But my mother, is this, she's more cynical about me finding love than in psychics. No, I, I, I accept it. And I tell people you'd make the worst husband. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Pretty harsh. This is The Mild Adventures of Fred Stoller. I thought I would try a different opening. Usually, Sally uh, Kirkland, who is here, um, I'm explaining. I do little openings where my mother doesn't understand what a podcast is. And uh, we just did, uh, I thought for you, because you're very spiritual, correct? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. Yes, and that was me and my mother had a psychic reading where she was arguing with them. When the psychic said, I'm going to find true love soon, she goes, he'd make an awful husband. I've given up. So sometimes you got to argue with psychics. And and we also have a lot of similarities. Your mother was a fashion um, editor of Life and Vogue. Yeah. And she was like best friends with Shelley Winters. No, Shelley Winters became my like. Uh, godmother, stage mother, mentor when I was 18. And I lived with her in New York and I lived with her in Los Angeles. Oh. And spent all the years from when I was 18 on uh, learning from her and see, teaching her her lines for all of her movies. See, see, we have another similarity. And your mother was a fashion consultant. My mother wouldn't let me buy Converse sneakers. They're so expensive! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's no similarities. And my, my mentor was... Uh, uh, Amber Tozer, who's sitting next to me. No, I never had a <laughs> parent oh. figure. See, okay, this is the first... I do sort of feel like your mom sometimes. Yeah, I, I need it. I'm so. always like, calm down, sit down. Yeah, she is very helpful and nurturing. Well, I don't know about the nurturing part. <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm like sort of mean. She yelled at me I'm for the first time. I, uh, Ben Sallenberger. Okay, Sally, uh. this is our first one we've done since we've, we've, we're stockpiling them. We had the great Robert Foster, who we'll talk right. about. Oh man, you weren't here for that one, but he, he should, he does do motivational speeches because uh, it's a great story of inspiration. So we've gotten great feedback. Um, <clears throat> oh, you people out there, if you like it, please give a nice review on uh, iTunes and all that. And the only negative thing I learned from listening is. I, I can't talk five minutes without introducing everyone because people go, who are those other people talking? <laughs> so we'll give you the great Sally Kirkland intro in a minute. But Amber Tozer, who I just mentioned, people love an Amber. Ben, not so much. Oh, that kidding. sounds about right. No, no, no. Oh, but they, no. Oh, they're I falling tried. in love with Amber. And Amber. Really? I've been told that I'm too quiet. But but let's try Maybe to. That's you know, why this they reminds me. me of a joke I used to do. Like this is a true story. This woman once said to me, "I'm attracted to you for some odd reason." <laughs> like she couldn't figure it out. So I'm trying to figure out why they like Amber. Yeah, me too. They, 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 she just but she chimes in at the right time and she's cute, very adorable. Passionate. Yeah. yeah, but they can't see me. They Facebook it's you. My, oh no, it's my brain. I, I got yeah. I got I got pounded for saying she was cute Gross. in a different kind of way. Oh. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> so Amber has great news. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you sold your book. We'll talk about it some other time or. Or you Whatever. don't want to jinx it. Well, yeah, I mean, Sally, we can talk to Sally about her life. Okay, we'll talk to she. <laughs> she sold the book. Ben Sullenberger is here. Who you've heard. He, the episode today, he knew the, the one with Ronnie Shell. He did the, the microphone. Okay. <clears throat> now, Sally Kirkland. And we have. Uh, that's great. That's I did a microphone. Best, with that's my best, best credit. credit. Great. Ben now just I'm going to go kill up. myself. 
Yeah. Ben just shows up. I live and we're across like, the right. street. Thanks, Fred. He. Uh, <laughs> well, Sally. Sally said he was cute. So. Hey, that's oh, the yeah. best. I know. I love her for that. Thank you, Sally. So keep the. Thank di- God everyone's he, cute on podcasts. Yes. yes. All that matters. Yes. And another thing we have in common, Sally was the before old Calcutta and hair. She was the first one to do nudity in a Broadway play. Off-Broadway. It was called Off Sweet Broadway. Eros by Terrence Now, McNally. my similarity... What's a funny joke for that? My sim- I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, wait, tell us. Wh- what was it called again? Terrence McNally wrote a play called Sweet Eros. He's the guy who wrote B- Badlands and everything. Terrence McNally. No, no. no. no okay. Terrence no. Malick. Okay. It? See, this is why we need you, back. All right. See, I'm the Terrence detail McNally guy. Terrence McNally is one of about 10 Tonys. He's like yes, top big. Broadway were you, playwright. Were you nervous about it or were you excited? Were you... Well, I had been with the La Mama troupe for years, and we had been experimenting with nudity off off Broadway. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to off Broadway doing it, I was an old hand. <laughs> <laughs> I got to learn to experiment. With I that. loved your nudity. I, I looked up your nineteen sixty. He looked up your nudity. <laughs> no, no. I up your, nudity. your nineteen sixty nine magazine where you're posing on the the horse, right? He did his research. Oh, that was called Futz. I I, I did type in nudity. <laughs> I'm always curious right. who does nudity. He does that with everyone. I did. I, that's how I met Fred. With Robert Forster, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what do you think of it? Delightful. Oh, Very. Good. Yeah. No, that, is it for that time? I guess that was something that was not happening, yeah, right? Yeah, it was 1968. Oh, okay. And uh, we were rebelling against the Vietnam War. And when the New York Times called me about Sweet Eros, yeah. um, when I was nude 45 minutes on the stage, they said, why are you doing this? You just did show Pap Shakespeare in the Park. and. And I said, I'm opposed to the Vietnam War, and you can't carry a gun on a naked body. Oh, Oh, amazing. And that went down in history. And then I said, I'm a painter, and I paint women, and I don't like that they judge themselves because they don't look like Playboy magazine. So I figured I'll be nude. I don't look like Playboy magazine. And... um, well, you looked very beautiful on there to me. So oh, it looked thank you. great. No, it was it was an inspiring thing to see that you took that and did that. So it's pretty yeah. great. Yeah, it was called the sexual. Re- you're all too young, but back then in the '60s, it was called sexual, the s- sexual revolution. I remember. Arts. I'm not a young guy, but uh, oh, okay. I um no no no. It's weird. It's like now I have a woman who lives down from me and uh, beautiful, and she's always auditioning. And everything with cable requires nudity. Oh, I may have to be naked for this. It's so common now. And back then, yeah. Yeah, yeah back then it was horrifying. I don't think my parents talked to me for a year or so. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. And well, your mother was into fashion, not, I guess nudity is not fashion. <laughs> <laughs> she was more liberal than my father, but my father just, you know, I had been a debutante. And I came out in society. Well, well let's and all that. let me talk about. Well, first I thought I would morph into this with our story. Okay. Which she, if you want to copy my book, I'm saying you're in the book, but someone already sued me unsuccessfully. But no, this crazy guy. But it didn't make any sense. But no, no, you are so sweet. We did this movie. I was telling the story. Well, we Wilbur this, Falls. Wilbur Falls, and I'm telling the story. Talk about. Naivete. I in '96. I always played the set. Actually, you did a nanny. I did a few. I was the pharmacist, a schmucky pharmacist. Every adjective with my IMBD should be schmucky, nebbishy, sad sack. <laughs> and, and and I played a pharmacist that would scream out Fran's orders on the microphone and embarrass her. So we were at some. Let me just tell you. I've told this story before. I've done a lot of guest spots and. Fran Drescher was the nicest because she would send out personal thank you letters. Isn't Fran Drescher a delight? Yeah, she is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So 
So back in 96, I heard about this movie starring Danny Aiello and Sally Kirkland, and there was a mob part in it, and... And and this is night before independent films, you know, now it's so common. I didn't know this probably like thousands done that never see the light of day with stars as comparable as you two. Yeah. So someone said, Oh, maybe I could try to get you in this Fred, but they're just using locals except for, you know, Sally and Danny and the Berkshires and I'm going to be there. What a coincidence. I lied because I thought <laughs> this is my shot to break out of the schmucky pharmacist. So then. And my two scenes with like three weeks apart, so I flew there, did something, flew back to L.A., then had to kill time in three weeks in New York. And I ended up staying with this this guy who sued me. Because, it's a long story because I – so then – this is a different lawsuit from the book guy? No, no. It's the same guy. It's the guy. same guy. I, I stayed with him up... waiting for this oh, movie. Oh, okay. So, so I was playing – I showed you guys the clip, a mobster – so Sally, you were the romantic interest. Yes. So Sally goes, come into my trailer. Not you know for that. Well, I tried. No, I'm Ooh. just kidding. You know, you shut the door. <laughs> you go, honey, sit down, and you told me you're Italian. I would not have said Jewish. sweetheart. Okay. So I, again, <laughs> see when you get things wrong in a book, it's not defamation. You just remembered it differently. You can't right. sue me because I said sit down. You did say sweetheart probably. So you said, you said you're Italian, you're not Jewish. And I thought the joke is I'm an unlikely mobster. So you started giving me your credentials to tell me how good you are, but I didn't need them. So you said you taught comedy to Robin Williams? No, not exactly. Robin and I were in class together. And when we were on stage, because I couldn't keep up with him with his, you know, um, incredible yeah. languaging, I would stand on my head and Get I would have tights and leotards oh, on. Oh, don't, uh, t- no tights, you're doing that again. talk to my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, when I, I asked him if I could manage him, and he said, no, he wasn't ready. He had another year of studying to do. I said, no, believe me, you're ready. Is that when he was with Christopher Reeve studying? I thought they were no, roommates. No, Harvey Lembeck. Okay. We were Harvey Lembeck. And, uh, and so then uh, I asked if I could manage him, and he said he didn't think he was ready. And I said, I know Merv Griffin's casting director. I'll get you on next week. And he said, no, 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 I'm not ready. And I went away to do a CBS new, uh, Roger Corman film called Georgia Peaches. And when I came back, Bobby Hoffman, the casting director, had come by Harvey Lembeck, seen Robin, asked him to audition for a character named Mork in Happy Days. Wow. He went in, and what did he do? He yeah. copied Sally. He stood on his head. Get oh, out of here. Wow. Yeah. So you got him the part, basically. I got him the part. And Amazing. another thing you told me to go heed my words that you had something to do with Pacino getting the Godfather? Well, tell me this. Coppola <laughs> had a crush on me at the time because uh-huh. I did a film called Coming Apart with Rip Torn where I was nude. And I got to do my research like Ben did. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, God. <laughs> you guys, don't be <laughs> so really? creepy here. I'm, I'm not creepy. I, I, yeah, I just right, look or... up things. Sorry. Okay, okay. So Coppola came over with pizza and wine thinking that he was going to This is how me. Amber sold his book, her book, by the way. Oh, yeah. saw, saw her nude. I'm just yeah. saying bad jokes. And, yeah. uh, and Coppola Only said, you account. know, they don't want Pacino with Paramount. And uh, can you think of anybody else? And I said, well, you know you're not going to do the film without Pacino. And he said, yeah, I know that, but they don't know that. And so I suggested Bobby De Niro. So, well, for what? The, the actor studio we're in. Is that what well, you Yeah, I had brought him to Shelley Winters. And Shelley Winters got what's called a working observership for, for Bobby. And so, anyway, so then I gave him his number, and uh, Coppola had Bobby called, and he went in, and 
he was smart enough to know that Al would probably end up doing the film. So he said no, he didn't want to do it. And then he ended up starring in the film that, that Al was scheduled to do, The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Or what, uh, Bobby Deere for you? No, I don't no, remember. No. I think it was The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Anyway, whatever film Al was supposed to contractually do, um, Bobby did while Al ended up doing The Godfather. And then, and then Bobby came in for the second Godfather. But I have the honor of having brought those two together, Cobb, one wow, dinner. Wow, wow. They had never met prior to that. That's amazing. And Al was my friend because we were with Lee Strasberg together, and um, and he had a crush on me, and I, of course, towered over him. And I said, Did you Al, do the handstand there, too? No. <laughs> I said, Al, you know, you're not tall enough for me. And he said, Just you wait, Sally Crooklyn. I'm going to be the biggest star you ever saw. And I said, Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> but, you know, you got to be at least 5'9". And anyway, so he, he put wow. me in this play off off Broadway called Does a Tiger Wear a Necktie? And then it went to Off-Broadway, then it went to Broadway. But I only did the Off-Off-Broadway thing. And I played a Puerto Rican named Rita. Uh-huh. And, um, and so he had this crush on me, and it was very endearing. That, 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 you know. And years later, when I'm teaching at the Strasbourg Institute, Al comes as my guest for the school. And he says, you know, I had a crush on your teacher back in the 60s, and, and she, she wouldn't date me. And she had her <laughs> chance. Yeah, she had her chance. And, and I said, and you said you'd be the biggest star, and you were, and you are, Al. You see yeah, that I Israel mean, Harvard's play, I remember, uh, Ten Little Indians, Pacino? I think I know some of this stuff, but you're looking at me like, no, shut up. Uh, do you regret <laughs> some of his Broadway plays. Do you regret not Pfeiffer dating played. him? What? Do you regret not dating him? or do you Yeah, regret? yeah, I think I, the, the love that got away, yeah. Yeah, I did date De Niro for a while. Did you date really? Well, wait, 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 wait. Give wait, us wait. the juice. Wait, wait, what era was De Niro when you dated him? Like 1968, 69. Oh, this is before 70. Mean Streets? Before he was a star, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And was he, he was nice? so incredibly shy. He would look down at his feet, and he would never talk. And, uh, and he would call me every day because I told him... When I saw him in Brian De Palma's student film or whatever it yes. was, Greetings, mm-hmm. I said, you're going to be the biggest star since Brando. And so he would call me every day to hear me say that because no one has ever said that. <laughs> Jeez. And, and when we did Will Vogel. Did well, he just, what did he, what did, he, did he call and say, can you say it again? <laughs> it was sort of like a you know, I just want to say, sexting. when we did Will Vogel, she said, you're going to have a podcast that's going to be reviewed by the Jewish <gasps> Journal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so she sees what happens. Oh, man. Tell she, Amber and I something. She <laughs> can see in the future big <laughs> things for people. She predicted De Niro, but she, well, I, I want to um, go back because you you are just fascinating. Now these are young kids, right, and they may it. not even know Shelley Winters. I'm young. I mean, I'm old. But do you know Shell who Shelley Winters is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No. No. I don't mean that in a snotty way. There are people that don't have like the sense of history of like I didn't know Robert Mitchum. I didn't know Noirs to recently. I don't know a I lot played, of people. Uh, but... Robert Mitchum's oh. wife in a flashback in a movie called Going Home. And I used to sit at his feet and listen to his story. You met Robin Mitchum? Yeah. I love Robin Mitchum. I love him. Do you know who Robin Mitchum is? The coolest, the coolest, right? Yeah. I love noir movies. He was the first person to get um, arrested for marijuana of of the Hollywood set. And was it was it like the equivalent of like methamphetamine now? Like a like wow, don't have pot on you? Was it as as scary yeah, to get in trouble for that? That was probably the fifties, wasn't it? Did you smoke pot? Well, yeah, back in the day. But um, see, I became a yoga teacher in 1969, 
and I gave up everything way ahead of time. Everybody else was still doing everything, and I had given it up. Uh, well, yoga doesn't go with pot. No. Okay. I feel like all my yoga teachers do drugs. I can tell. Well, nowadays, yoga's changed quite a bit from when, back in the day, the Integral Yoga Institute with Swami Satchitananda. Shall I do Hindi for you? Om Namah Shivaya Gurave, Satchitananda Mohotaye, Nishpalapanjaya Shantaye, Niralambaya Tejase Om. I could go Amazing. on. You should, have, you should have your own YouTube channel where you like lead meditations. You have a very calming... Oh, maybe, maybe I should do you that. You should. Amber. I'll teach you how to <laughs> do it. We'll set up some videos. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel stupid. I didn't know yoga's been around. I thought it was You're invented like in the 90s. I don't know no, why. Here's the deal. I I'm was the, sorry, I'm a moron. I was the second person in history to, to do ever, yoga. Get out of here. <laughs> no, the second person? Oh, sorry. To go on television and do yoga. What? Like I taught it to Merv Griffin and taught it to David Susskind. Oh, wow. And, um, David Susskind, I remember you won something about him and a lion. I don't know why I remember something with David Susskind had a lion on his show. I don't no, know. No, but I trained uh, five tigers and two lions for Circus of the Stars. Get out of here. No, I did. I was in a cage. They trained me for <sighs> six weeks. And then they left me in the cage with them. And I had a whip and I had a Bob Mackey what? bathing suit or something. And um, yeah, I trained them. It was very scary. <laughs> but that was before... The awful accident in Vegas with... Um, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, that was yeah. before that. Had that happened, I probably wouldn't have had the nerve to do it. But I had a boyfriend who was 20 years younger who used to jump out of planes and bungee jump every weekend. And I wanted to show off for my boyfriend. And my boyfriend was in the audience crying, watching oh. me with these five tigers Jeez. and two lions with no one else my in the My girlfriend cage. would be applauding the lions. I don't have a girlfriend. I was going to say, it's, uh, the, <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, the more outrageous thing was the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the, that was the outrageous <laughs> part. Of right, that I bit. believe the lion part. Yeah, <laughs> I um, no, also um, Robert Mitchum. Look up Night of the Hunter with Shelley. With Shelley Winters. Yes, friend. I'm gonna have to see that. Yeah. Yes, Shelley Winters, and then I remember her as a teenager. The Poseidon Adventure. Did you help her with the lines for that? No, but she wasn't a teenager then. She no, no, when I was a teenager. When you were a teenager. Yeah, yes. I taught her her lines for that. Yeah. And did you? Did she? She swept. The, the thing was she got heavier, and the big bit was that she had to swim underwater. Remember that? Yeah, and she was afraid of swimming initially, yeah. Shelley Winters was? and she and had Initially, s- yeah, but then she loved it. She loved it. Um, she was very proud now of how did you? How did she become your godmother, godmother, but your mother wasn't her friend? Now, take us back to Life magazine, please, and Vogue okay. and your mother. Okay, so in the 40s, my mother, like around 1947, was editor of Vogue. And she was the first person to bring Italian fashions to this country post-war. And she was the first person to put multiple models on one page. You know, up until my mother, you wow. had one stick woman. Mm-hmm. And then my model said, let's get some stepladders and put them all over the stepladders. And that was her. And she was the first person to do the miniskirt, the no-brow look. And Now, I, I read mean, you were photographed by Andy Warhol, another famous photographer. Yeah, I was actually in his film, 13 Most Beautiful Women, in 1964, and he had a crush on my mother because my mother gave him his very first publicity in the pages of Life. Wow. And that would have been... So that uh, way you do... She went from Vogue to Life. Yeah, she went, uh, she went in the late 40s from Vogue to Life, and then she was 25 years at Life, and she was the first person to hire an African-American who was um, Gordon Parks, 
And Henry Lou said, I'm going to fire you if you hire him. Oh, my God. And she said, well, then you're going to have to fire me because this man is brilliant. Yeah. You know who Gordon Parks is? Uh, civil famous, rights. Well, famous photographer and filmmaker, Gordon Parks. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, yeah. I'm b- way ahead of his time. Yeah. So she was way ahead of her time. and uh, I know Gordon Willis, but that's different. No, no, it was a Gordon Willis. I'm sorry. So she put Andy <laughs> in the pages of life. Doing his storefronts on Fifth Avenue with the Campbell Campbell's. soup can oh, okay, and, yeah. and shoes in the front and the Campbell's soup can. So he, she said, I want to introduce you to my daughter. So that's how I met him in 64. And he took me to lunch and he had his tape recorder and his camera. And he said, do you mind if I take your picture and photograph you, uh, record you? And I said, well, Andy, don't take this the wrong way. But I've studied with Lee Strasberg since I was 17. I'm an above-ground actress, and you only work with underground actors, and they haven't trained. And so I, I don't think I want to be in the same category. Now, had hmm. I any idea that Andy Warhol was going to become Andy Warhol, wow. I would have let him photograph yeah. me and record me. But I was so, you know, my heroes were Geraldine Page and Kim Stanley and Joanne Woodward and Anne Bancroft and sure. all these incredible Broadway actors. And he was, were they heroes and also people you interacted with and knew from yeah, your mother? Yeah, from the actor's, not my mother, the actor's studio, okay. which I got in when I was 17. And so anyway, he said, well, would you, would you be in my movie, 13 Most Beautiful Women? And I said, yes. So he puts me on a stool in front of the camera and he says, don't move. I'm going to leave the room for about five or 10 minutes and I don't want you to move. And I thought, well, that's not acting. I mean, acting is acting. So... I did what's called in method acting an emotional recall, which Lee Strasberg taught me. So I thought of something horrifying from my childhood, and the tears began to come out of my eyes. So I wasn't moving, but I was acting, real acting, instead of this Mm non-acting acting. And so that was my first, um, it wasn't my first movie credit, but it was my first notable movie credit. It was 1964, 13 Most Beautiful Women, with uh, Edie Sedgwick, and Baby Jane Holzer and Ultraviolet and all of the stream of his Nico. Yeah. His staple of uh, Andy Warhol people. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and and then I did a lot of LSD back then, so <laughs> things got hairy. And in that was before the yoga. <laughs> yeah, yoga <laughs> wasn't until 1969. Right. So I, I ended up having a nervous breakdown in, in 1966 because hmm. I was in love with Rip Torn and I thought he was legally separated and he was still married and... Geraldine Page was my hero, and so I had a nervous breakdown. Took, At what age were you when you had the nervous breakdown? I don't know, 22, 23. I took, I took 60 Nebutol and 40 Codeine oh and God. sat on a 13-story ledge of a building waiting to fall. And what stopped the fall? A man came to the window. He saw it open, and Miss Kirkland, Miss Kirkland, he was oh. the, he was the uh, landlord. He said, what are you doing? And I snapped out of my whatever psychotic illusion and I thought, I can't jump in front of this man. And the pills hadn't taken effect yet. So I jumped back in the, he pulled me back in the window and I went running out Fifth Avenue and I expired right in front of Jackie Onassis's building at, uh, on Fifth Avenue and 87th Street. And the last thing I consciously remember were the two doormen with their arms folded laughing and not doing anything as I passed out. And then as the story goes, uh, a ship's doctor and a ship's priest found me and my heart has stopped and my lungs have stopped and the ship's priest said last rites and the ship's doctor, uh, you know, pronounced me dead. And then they decided to get me to Harlem to the Metropolitan Hospital anyway in case there was any way of revival. 
and so I was on machines. And meanwhile, um, my parents went to every hospital in New York because I didn't have any ID on me. And they eventually found me in Harlem, and they wouldn't let anybody. Meanwhile, I had a life after life experience. Oh, you I know, haven't. I had the whole. It was amazing. I mean, uh, I, I went into a state of ecstasy. Um, I understood the karma of of the people who had caused me so much physical oh, and God. mental pain. Oh, my God. And I, um, I was in a state of bliss. And I heard this voice. And I had been brought up with Christ. You know. At the time when this happened, I was an atheist, but I'd been brought up with Christ, and I, I heard this voice, which I interpreted to be Christ. And he said, you can stay here, oh. or you can go back and tell your friends about the bliss of the other side, you know. And um, anyway, so a friend of mine dreamt that I was dying, and she went and looked for every hospital in New York and found me. They said, no, nobody can see her. Her parents won't let anybody see her. And so she climbed up the fire escape in the window, got into my room in the middle of the night, and started screaming at me, you can't die. There's too many people who love you. And within hours, the doctors were there, and my eyes were open, and they were saying, who's Betty? Whoever Betty is, you should thank her, because that was the first thing you said, having been in a vegetable state. Wow. And they told my parents, you know, she's in a vegetable state, so you should pray that she passes over. So I couldn't talk because I had a tracheotomy, you know, but but I was able to write on a piece of paper, Betty loved me more than anybody. Mm. And uh, and then, uh, you know the actress Susan Terrell? She was in all of uh, John Waters' films. Yes, yes. She, Susan, I think she passed away recently. She did. Yes, yes. And Susan saw my paintings on the walls of the hospital, and she said to the doctor, what are these paintings of Sally Kirkland doing? And they said, well, no one's supposed to know, but she tried to kill herself, and Jeez. she's in the psych ward. So Susan came and found me said, I don't want you to see your parents. I don't want you to see Rip Torn. I don't want you to see anybody that was in your life. I'm taking you home. And she took me home to a six-floor walk-up, bathtub in the kitchen. I used to have a bathtub kitchen. Toilet in the closet. Yeah. Toilet in the closet, right? Yeah, you had a, go, a step ladder to go into the bathtub, the shower in the kitchen. I had it <laughs> yeah. on 71st Street, yeah. And... Um, and and we she rehabilitated me by having me do my art. If you want to see my art, Sally, I didn't know you were a painter. Sally you Kirkland. Were a Kirkland. Well, she said that earlier oh, with wow. the painting, the Renaissance yeah. lady. Yeah. SallyKirkland.com. Kirkland. You I can will see my paintings. And so that's how I rehabilitated myself. And then I got a phone call from Chuck Wine saying, Edie Sedgwick just had a nervous breakdown and she can't finish Chow Manhattan. Will you step in and be Edie? And finished Chow Manhattan, and then I said, I can. I just had a nervous breakdown and tried to kill myself, and the doctors won't let me act. And so um, the next thing you know, I get a call from Tom O'Horgan, who directed Hair, Jesus Christ Superstar, and he said, I want you to be in the La Mama troupe, and we have this play with nudity in it, and we hear that you're the freest person at the actor's <laughs> studio, the free spirit, and will you do it? And and I said yes. And so even though I didn't do the Chow Manhattan, I went and did Tom Payne and Futz, where you saw me aboard a 500-pound sow. I did. Nude. Um, <laughs> did Not to sound creepy, but I saw it. No, no, know. sure. <laughs> so back then in 68, this was a revolution. You know, we, we were out there. We were doing so. And Madonna got all the credit, didn't she? But we were yeah. doing this in 1968. Did you yeah. get over the Rip Torn love Thing it from a, the yeah, uh, it took a while. You know, it. Um, I, I. Um, the one thing I remember about being that close to death is I had no sense of humor at all, none. I I just had no sense of humor. 
But sex is very close to death. Hmm. It's very close to death. So I kept having sex and sex and sex and sex, and it was the only sensation I could. I couldn't feel humor, but I could feel sex. What 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 comparison to death? Just. I don't know, but haven't you read that? I've read that that sex and death are very close. No, I haven't heard that till today. That's really like how? Yeah. What's 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 what are the similarities? Like surrender or just is it the completion I, at the end of sex or I I don't know. I just know that I I didn't react to anything. I was completely depressed. Mm-hmm. And but if someone made love to me for whatever amount of time, I felt Engaged. alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's why probably why people get addicted to it. Yeah, and Maybe. um. And so the good news is that that all happened in 66, and I was very young, and, and I've been, uh, with the exception of one year with Bob Dylan, where I, I tried Coke and I had a wonderful time, then a terrible time. Um, Drug-free. And, and marijuana, and wonderful time, then a terrible time. But, but basically, I've been straight all these years, because I taught yoga for 35 years, so I became very boring, you know. I, I mean, I, <laughs> uh, not, you're nothing. I gave a lot of parties, and everyone would do everything, and I'd be completely straight, you know. What about so, sex? Did you give up sex? No, I didn't give up sex. Very smart. In yeah. fact, in the sixties, <laughs> I would say I was a nymphomaniac. I would say that, yeah. Any any actors but we would know? Did it? <laughs> now I'm being oh, like Ben. Yeah. Were you depressed? <laughs> yeah, though? you're the perp. Even yeah. though you it made you feel alive, did you get depressed after, or were you? Was there any? I don't want to say shame, but, like, uh, did it ever fill you up the way that you want? Well, I mean, you Weird know. wording. I know, weird wording. But you yeah. know what I mean. Did it make you happy enough to keep doing it, or did it ever depress you well, at some well, point? Well, l- l- let me backtrack. Wait, when the they sex. Say nymphomaniac, the sex. The oh, sex. The sex. Well, then, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. When you say nymphomaniac, we know what it means. Does it mean you're happy having all that sex, or, or you just yeah. need it, yeah, and, and no, you feel was, shitty after? No, okay. I needed it, and... I, um, because Shelley Winters had become my mentor and my godmother and whatnot, she would tell me these stories of when she lived with Marilyn Monroe and they would make these long lists of these famous men that they were going to sleep with. And then they would compare notes and they would bargain. They they lived on um, Norton and Crescent Heights. Wow. And you know the radio uh, person, Carrie, um, Carrie uh, Harrison? Not sure, but Carrie. when I moved to L.A., I lived on... Hayworth and Norton. Uh, yeah. Ah, so you're close by. Well, Carrie lives in Marilyn's apartment now. Um, he's a radio person, I think WPFK. Oh, anyway, uh, they would decide who was going to get the apartment for the night, and the other one would decide. Oh, they were roommates. They were yeah. Roommates. So they would say, I'm going to be with Ernest Borgnine. Get out. No. <laughs> you know, That's like the that. first person you think of having sex with is Ernest Borgnine. Well, they were women. I don't know. All right. No, sure. They were actors. Shelley yeah. being my mentor, you know, that was my very young idea of how you make it in Hollywood is that, you you know, you go through all of these men, mm. and each one is more important than the next. So, yeah, there's a long list. Really, it works. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I, my, my uh, list of celebrities isn't much, but I was t- I, I, when I wrote my book, if you want it, and I did these Jewish book festival circuits. Are you going to give me a copy? Yes. Okay. I did the Jewish book festival circuit, and I was telling people I had a one-night stand with Kathy Griffin. Right. So, Kathy Griffin was my student at the Lee Strasberg Institute. Wow. So one of the Jewish guys it wasn't enough. He goes, who else? Who else? He was talking <laughs> to me. Who else besides her? Give me more. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a good person. list, though. I like your list. I once my friend used to make up a list and and try to think of a baseball team. Like you know, this one would be shortstop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my list. Actually, I've talked about this before, but my list I keep alive in my head when I masturbate. I don't. <laughs> I like to remember and reminisce because I I don't have the confidence that some hot woman. But I remember. I like remembering. Okay, forget sure, it. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. we all agree. Yeah. Remembering stuff that you've already done. You yes, because even in the fantasy, there's no rejection because we've already did it. So <laughs> I, love, I love the reminiscing. I like it. No, I like, you hold on to it. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah I agree. Do you fantasize or reminisce? Uh, uh, pornography. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm from the elder generation before the porn, and um, sometimes I let my mind get away. Go, maybe this could happen. Yeah, but I don't want to get my even in masturbation. I want to get my hopes up, and yeah, I don't have good fantasies. My fantasies are things. But like, doesn't it make you sad? No, I like the things that could. No, I had fun reminiscing. Yeah, but I get sad because then I'm like, oh, I can't have sex with that person again. And that makes me more sad than. Why can't you? Oh, because that was it was someone before. Well, and my current relationship, that's probably... Oh, I that'll see, do I it. See. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, you, you can't miss just, them and... You yeah, you're like, man, they you know, they were fun in this way. I wish we could do that again, but you can't just go yeah, back. I feel like I masturbate to dudes I've never met. Like, I create them in my mind. Oh. Because there's nobody in real life that I like enough. <laughs> so I have to create a man you, you think of that a face. doesn't even exist. So you just create Why the perfect he's man. Like, he's a beautiful black man. Whoa. And I don't know who he is. <laughs> I'll find. I'll, I'll look for we'll you. Look, we'll look. Yeah. So, so this is. The, uh, no, Sorry, Sal. So. No, no. So, well, you know, let me ask you this. You talk a lot about your mother's fascinating career. Was your dad in the arts or anything? No, he was a appraiser. Uh huh. Um, and uh, he was mainline Philadelphia society. So, he wanted me to marry, you know, into Some society. Union guy. No. <laughs> Some and, um, carpenter. So he was horrified. But you know, my first kiss was Ted Koppel. What? The newscast, the huh? television. Yeah. How and, did that come about? Well, he went to a school called McBurney, and I went to uh, a school called Dobbs. And um, he was a couple years older than me, and I don't know how we met, but um, he was the other side of the tracks. You know, he wasn't a preppy from Exeter or Andover like I was supposed to go out with. And... Um, he uh, brought me my corsage, and I went to all-girls school, so I'd never really been to a prom. So I went to his McBurney prom, and afterwards he hired one of those Central Park horse and drivers, horse and carriage, and he kissed me, and that was my first kiss. Wow. We fell on the floor of the carriage, and it was all very awkward. But when, when he was on television doing his show, when I got nominated for the Oscar in Which we have to talk about yes. um, his associate on TV said, Ted, did you really, was this true that you gave Sally Kirkland her first kiss? And he said, yes, that was true. He's not the newscaster that was lying. No, I'm just kidding. Get it? <laughs> it's a joke. He lied. <laughs> I'll shut up. This um, is all, isn't she, you're like the Forrest Gump, like the real life Forrest good, Gump. Like you've been good, to every that's event a, that's, that's happened. A, that's a good point. <laughs> it's amazing. She's just, um, just, just amazing. So I want to, all right, now, you have to see Anna. Have you seen the movie Anna? Mm -mm. It's on Hulu. It's an amazing. It's you were nominated for Best Actress, and I don't want to say should have won, but my my God, it was 
heartbreaking. I don't want to give anything away when I say it's all about Evish, but um, no, you can say that. Well, I don't want to give away to these people the no, some okay. little twist, but it's an amazing movie. Well, so the good news, the good news is I won the Best Actress Golden Globe, and I won the Independent Spirit Award, and I won the LA Film Critics Award and the Women in Film Award, and I lost to Cher that year, but it was Moonstruck. the same category with Meryl Streep. Glenn Close and Holly Hunter. So was I lucky to be with wow. those women? Oh no, yeah, it's it's amazing. So I, I just want to is ask, that the movie when are you an actress? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you seen I that? Saw, well, I saw that in in the yes. In your I, reel. I sent a clip of. I just found this thing where this great thing, just talking a little bit about you in the beginning, and then this chronology of. Working with Barbara Streisand, working with um, Robert, Robert Redford, Redford in The Sting, and it, uh, Chris Christopherson in *The Star Is Born*. And um, oh God, I worked with, uh, I played uh, Matthew McConaughey's mom in Ron Howard's at TV. At yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh huh. And I played the waitress to Jim Carrey and Wait, um, Martin Bruce Landau Almighty. was your Bruce Almighty was that it? Bruce Almighty, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Martin Landau, I did three movies with. Um, Martin was my husband. You're right. Right. In, in, at, at TV. TV. Yeah. Um, I got. I did get to act with everybody over 150 movies. I mean, you name it, I acted with them. And Renata Hills. Uh, what's it called? Wilbur no, Wilbur Hills. F- Wilbur Falls, oh, which I think is out on DVD called Dead Something. Dead Silence. It's. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was the one where I was staying with the real Kramer because he heard it. I, I don't want to tell the story, but I was killing time to to do that thing. Now let me ask you. Also, looking at your credits, you were in a lot of. Those '70s shows like Beretta and Kojak and Charlie's Angels and yeah, Starsky and Hutch. I love those. I love those. Now, how did? Now, was it hard to go from a great career of guest starring to starring in a phenomenal movie? How did Anna come about? And did you have to fight to get it? Did they go, "We want someone who's already been starring in movies," or did they want an unknown? Like, please tell me to, to refresh. This is a movie about. Um, I had to was, talk. My name is Anna Rokova. I come from Prague, Czechoslovakia. And I don't want to talk about it. She was a well known actress in Czechoslovakia, but the Russians drove her out. So she came here after being known a star and starting from scratch, uh, understudying some ridiculous off off Broadway play and struggling. And the acting is amazing. I love the other actors because they don't look like actors. The guy who was your boyfriend, he just right. had that look and um, phenomenal. So right. how did you get from the Kojak stuff, which is uh, reputable stuff, to because I know with me, I do a lot of guest stars on sitcoms, the nanny. It's like going from the nanny to starring in, you know. Uh, um, no Country for Old Men or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did do movies in the 70s. Um, it wasn't that I was just doing television. I don't mean adjust. I just yeah. meant, you know. No, but I know what you're saying. Jump. It, it was a very low-budget film, so they may or may not have the money to pay a big star. Uh-huh. But I heard a rumor that Vanessa Redgrave's agent and um, Lee Grant's agent, and I don't know if you know Shirley Knight, that all of these people. Yeah, sure had expressed interest in the in the part because it was one of those parts where when you read the script you, you know yeah. you know that's it that's going to be a part of a lifetime and Aneshka Holland who wrote it had already been nominated for a Golden Globe for Angry Harvest so she was an award winning writer and, um, yeah I did have to fight for it I um, I sent Yorick Bagaevich flowers all the time I, I sent the writer, letters director. yeah um, 
I had to go back three times because he wasn't uh, sure. sure. Um, but then he hired Paulina Porizkova, who was the number one model in the world at the time. Which is now Rick Ocasek's wife, wife. from the you. cars. Yeah, Good yeah. for you oh, for knowing nice. that. Yeah. Good knowledge. And he had hired her, and he said, um, what would you think about acting with Sally Kirkland? He said, are you kidding me? She said, are you kidding me? I would love that. Mm. And so he had the two of us improvise, and we improvised together. And um, afterward, he said to her, well, what do you think? And and she said, I would die to act with her. Oh. So she actually got me the movie. Wow. Amazing. Because <laughs> he might have been on the fence, but she yeah. was she had that part. She had the part of the young girl. Now yeah. what were you what was your thoughts going, This is gonna catapult me? This were you thinking about the awards? I know you're not supposed to, you're supposed to do the work, but were you going, Wow, this is an opportunity, the way I thought Will Falls was for me. The, yeah, uh, I thought thing. whoever gets this role has a shot at the Oscar. That's what I thought. Did you, even though it was, uh, because it was an independent film basically at that point, right? Yeah. But yeah. How, how does something like that even come to the Academy to be seen? What do you Because it doesn't well, seem like a lot of, you know, lower budget films. But if it's, a, if it's a standout independent, well, for example, when you mentioned Dennis Christopher, Jackie Earl, Earl, Earl Haley was in this movie. Was it Little Women, the one with Kate Winslet, where he played a creepy guy? Um, little children. Little children. Yeah. And if you could get cachet in a high regard, you know, if it's critically I mean, acclaimed. That's like sponsored through like Sony or something. You know, that's through us. I get, well, independent well, films know, have it. It was highly abnormal what happened with me. But okay. I, did, I did my own campaign, which is in the history books. Oh, really? And. And people were saying, how did she do this? I remember I was standing next to Jenna Rollins at the... Uh, you campaigned for the Oscar. I did. Now tell me, all right, how'd you do that? Well, I I went to the SAG after Federal Credit Union, and I took out $7,000 as a loan, and I bought the back page of Variety, Weekly Variety, and I had already gotten great <sighs> reviews in the film festivals, and Rex Reed had said she devours Anna like raw steak and emerges a major star. And... Um, the variety critic has said it's the most brilliant performance I've seen in 10 years. And all these people said these things, and I put them on the back page of Variety, and it attracted a man named David Bunsman who owned a couple of New York City blocks. He had nothing to do with show business, and he knew my manager, and he asked to be introduced to me. And I said, well, um, I'm looking for a, uh, you know, I'm looking for an investor. I want to do a campaign. And he said, okay. I will invest in publicists for you and an ad campaign and if you sign a seven-year contract with me, something like that. Contract for, for what? Yeah. To make more movies. Uh, he wanted to get into the film oh, industry. Oh, wow. And so um, I, uh, and he was in his 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, like yeah. sure. Welcome, yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, so... Oh, we hired a man named Dale Olson, who was Shirley MacLaine's publicist and had been right with her when she got all the nominations and the awards over the years, and a man named John Springer in New York, who was Liz Taylor's publicist, and Betty Davis. So I had the man who had Shirley MacLaine and the man who had Betty Davis and Liz Taylor. I had those two uh, publicists being, oh my gosh. being my publicist, and then I... Uh, I created the ad campaign myself. I decided to do all quotes and not worry about the pictures so much. I did a lot of black and white ads rather than color because it was less expensive. I showed up everywhere, radio shows, TV shows, you name it, I showed up. Um, and 
uh, I was relentless. I just wouldn't take because I knew I knew that if people saw the performance, uh, I had a shot. It was just a question of wow. getting the word out. That's amazing. And and so there was an Italian documentary company that made a documentary of me and Harvey Weinstein, uh, showing our two campaigns that year. Wait, what was he campaigning that year? I can't year remember for? what film. Wow. But it was nice to be 87, in the same. I can yeah. To be in the same yeah. um, loop with him. And uh, so over the years, people came to me and said, how did you do it? Will, will you teach me how to do my own campaign? So Diane Ladd came to me. Martin Landau came to me. Even Kevin, Kevin Costner, when I was shooting Revenge, I said, he told me the story of Dances with Wolves. I said, you're going to get the Oscar and the Golden Globe. He said, no, 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 no. I have 10 more years to do. I'm still paying my dues. That's why I hire people like you and James Earl Jones and Anthony Quinn to be around me. I said, no, you're, it's your time. You're going to you're going to get it. And I said, I just want you to do a campaign where you get all the quotes. Don't worry about the pictures. Just get a whole page full of quotes. He did everything I said. <sighs> and I went to the Golden Globes the year he was up, and I asked the usher. I said, would you show me where... Kevin Costner sitting, and he brought me over to the table. Wow. And I said, Kevin, what did I tell you two years ago? And he this is said, probably the guy running late. Oh, we're running late? No, he, the oh, guy who got a flat okay. tire. Anyway, so he introduced me to Cindy, his then wife, and he said, this woman told me two years ago that I was going to be sitting here. And everything. You know, and so I, I did have a, um, intuitive knowledge of PR, maybe because my mother was Vogue and fashion editor, maybe because I was brought up with you know, media. I don't know. <clears throat> that I've never heard of anybody campaigning ever. I didn't what know are you talking about that. Everyone came. No, no but I thought that, that, you know, once the movie hit, then, you know, what's her name who won it for the uh, boxer or the fighter uh, campaign vigorously? Um, what's her name? I like her. Melissa. Leo. Oh, Melissa. Leo. Oh, yeah. She came yeah. to me. She came to me. In fact, I got her 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 dress, her Oscar dress. Oh, my gosh. Um, from Mark Bauer. Uh, she's my friend. She listened to everything I said. Yeah. That's so cool. So I had this. I like how you always fall into a role of a teacher. Oh, you, thank you yeah, for noticing that. That's yeah. awesome. It's like everything you do, it ends up like people always like are like going to you to help for help and you help them. Thank you, Amber, for <laughs> yeah. noticing that. Because I, I have taught over 2,500 people in 35 years. Jeez. I, I coached Barbara Streisand. Uh, when she wanted to learn how to cry on cue, as did Roseanne, as did um, Roseanne uh, Barr. Yeah, she. What we did, did she a, have to We did a movie called <laughs> "The Woman Who Loved Elvis," where she had to break down when Tom Arnold almost died in a motorcycle crash, and I was shooting Roseanne. You know, I played the mother of Johnny Galecki, who yeah. marries her daughter, and so I said to Bill Bixby, "Can I work with her during the lunch breaks and whatnot?" And he said, "Sure." So I said, you have to do an emotional, you have to do an as if, as if you're never going to see Tom Arnold again. And she immediately started crying, and I said to I Bill. I'd cry if someone said that to me. <laughs> Same. I love Tom Arnold. I'm, just, I'm bad jokes. I, I, I'm <laughs> I knew you were going to take it. I was like, Fred's got a Tom shut, Arnold shut joke. Shut me up. You're supposed <laughs> to... I, thought, I thought you were going to say like the opposite of crying, being like you would start cheering or something. I, re I remember. I Did you know a guy, Freddie Caraman, an acting teacher in New York? We no. took the Meisner, and everyone was so happy when they'd cry. One guy cried, and he's high-fiving. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but sorry. And I taught Sandra Bullock, 
when she was like 22, 23, and she didn't think she was going to make it. And she, her <coughs> boyfriend wanted her to quit Get acting. out of here. No, true. And I said, you're going to be a big star, Sandra. You have no idea how talented you are and how pretty you are. And she didn't. And I put her in a show, showcase uh, doing a play called The Trip Back Down. And this guy, Dan Adams, uh, a then up-and-coming director, saw her and put her in her first film. It was called Religion Incorporated. Now hmm. it, it came out on tape called something else. Um, but uh, she, um, yeah, she had an insecurity about her that reminded me of Audrey Hepburn, like he wanted to take her home and, you know, like like she didn't know she was beautiful kind yeah. of thing. And so... Um, Which is sometimes part of the appeal, I think, with some people. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, and I had her do Shakespeare and... All sorts of things. Kathy Griffin thought she was a dramatic actress. She came to the Strasburg Institute. Really? Wait, one, wait. In New York or L.A.? No, L.A. The one the one by Hayworth. Yeah. By the 7-Eleven. Yeah. yeah. I used I to live there. on that block. Yeah. Yeah. So I taught there for years. And I told Kathy, I said, you know, I, I think you're a comedian. I, I, I don't know about you being a dramatic actress. And maybe you should go to the... Um, Groundlings. Uh, the Groundlings. And she did. And she didn't get too far there, so then she developed her one-woman show. And, and Fred put the funny into her. And Fred put the funny into her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I, now yeah. I get the bad joke. No, when I met her, she wasn't who she is now. She was, she was yeah, just, um, I had seen her. She was in something with Julie Brown, uh, like a Madonna parody and like a cute uh -huh. dancer. Like downtown Julie Brown? No, no, the white one. It's amazing. Oh. You're so young and you know downtown Julie Brown. I'm sort of older. Than oh, really? I think oh. I am. You know downtown Julie Brown? Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so after Anna, like, what happened after that? Well, then I did Best of the Best with Eric Roberts and James Earl Jones and Revenge with Kevin Costner. And um, what did I do? I did. Your boobs look great in that scene. The My boobs? Boobs? In the, in the, at, uh, at the bar scene with Kevin oh, Costner. Oh, good for you. For when you're like, that. yeah, Fred had sent me some clips. He's helping me do I didn't research. send the naked, like, uh, what? I just sent a video. Someone put together a really nice thing for you. Yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's set up what you're talking about. Like I said, she's from this, and her mother and Shelly Winters, and just really nicely done. Yeah. You know, about, uh, yeah, just the chronology. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just amazing. So we, we were talking. You weren't here, Amber, but we had Robert Foster. So inspiring, <coughs> and he and he, I did a film together, but I don't remember the name of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not sure, but mm -hmm. he was he had a great story. He was in a downslide of his career, like twenty seven years after having a great start, and with Marlon Brando and Liz Taylor. That was his first movie in the Tennessee Williams uh but then he wasn't he really plummeted so he'd hang out at this place called the Silver Spoon where Sally was a regular yeah. and Tarantino Oh wait that diner that's not there yeah. anymore yeah. now it's mm -hmm. now it's called Conning and Ted Oh yeah yeah, yeah. and Tarantino would come in there and say I'm going to put you in a movie one day and he said oh yeah yeah so so then he gives him the script of Jackie Brown and he goes any parts you think you'd like to play and Forster says I don't see any parts because he didn't think they'd let him be a, one of the leads in a studio movie. Right. Because I'm like that too. I have someone who's a fan of mine and they go, well, Fred, it's a studio, you know, da da da. Very few people fight for you and have passion. So Tarantino says, they'll do whatever I want. So, so you were there when Tarantino went looking for him? Well, I was there when Tarantino had made a, what do you call it? Uh, Pulp Fiction or no, no. Reservoir Dogs? When Tarantino Dogs? had made a, uh, appointment to get together with him 
and Tarantino arrived 20 minutes early, and Quint, uh, Robert always showed up at the same time every day. I can't remember exactly what time it was. But for the 20 minutes before Robert came, um, he said, well, Sally, um, you're you know known to be such a great method actor. Would you teach me acting right now? Right there at the Silver Spoon. At the Silver Spoon. Until Robert Foster shows up. <laughs> Robert Foster shows up. Yeah. So I taught hey, Come him. in, Mark. Come in. He had a flat tire, but she's telling the Tarantino story. Is there a, a Rachel thing where Mark can uh, talk on a mic or ask questions? Okay. Okay, we'll introduce you in a second. But he, this is Mark. Hi, this Mark. is Amber, Hi, Ben. Hello. He had Hello. a flat... He's known as the movie geek. Okay. Yes. Okay, so um, you heard how Robert Forster got Jackie Brown, that he'd go to Silver Spoon, mm-hmm. and, and, he, and he'd look for Robert Forster. So, she- so so he showed up 20 minutes early, or 25 minutes, and um, so Quentin says to me, teach me method acting while we're waiting. So I taught him what an emotional recall was and what an as-if was and what a personalization was. Next thing I know, he's calling me on the phone all the time and having me teach him acting on the phone. On the phone? And then he did acting, if you remember. Tarantino. Yeah, Tarantino. Well, there was, well, there was, uh, he got Skull, you know, what was that movie, a play he did, uh, Wait Until Dark? Yeah. Yeah, he got crucified for that. (laughs) He he got crucified a lot, huh? Yeah. What I love about Tarantino is I love his passion and talking about movies, even more than his movies, but I love Jackie Brown. I love, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. So we're talking about, and Ian, so who else would hang out at the Silver Spoon? Martin Landau, um, Mark Rydell, the director. Um, Ian, the lady Ka- in Amber Carol Crombie. Carol Kane. What? The lady in Amber Crombie. I don't know. Shelley Winters came every week for lunch. Ian Amber Crombie, he was the one on Seinfeld. He was the older guy, looked like a professor, oh. the English guy. You don't oh. remember him? Maybe uh, there was table. an English guy. Mr. Maybe Pitt, that was him. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Piddling. Right. So, so oh, Martin Lando, yeah, he would be yeah. at the Silver Spoon. Yeah, because the Actors Studio is a couple of blocks away, so everybody would come over after the Friday session. Oh, so all these guys still went to the Actors Studio, yeah. Martin Lando? Yeah, and Shelley Winters moderated, and Martin Lando moderated, and Mark Rydell moderated, and they'd all come over after. So let me introduce, okay, Mark, uh, how do you say your list name, Hoyt? Hoyt. Hoyt. Now, a brief uh, history, not history, Back many years ago, Comedy Central had a show called Beat the Geeks. And this is before its time because now everyone's into pop culture. And they had a music geek, a TV geek, and a movie geek, and you would compete. So from what I remember your story, they were looking to um, get the movie geek. So they went, and you, uh, the projectionist, were you the projectionist? Oh, I was, talk uh, close to the mic, yeah. I was uh, one of the uh, uh, prime projectionists and assistant manager at the New Art in West L.A., sure. and that's how um, I was referred by uh, Hadrian Belove, who is now the Cine prime family. programmer at CineFamily. I, I just was uh, with him last night. Well, because uh, at the time, he was running Cinephile Video next door to the New Art, and he'd been approached for the position, and As he wasn't interested, geek. but he recommended me. And so I went and in. Because he knew you, because you would just come into that and just know all the obscure stuff. And he, this is the guy. Well, Hadrian's justification was he knew a lot of obscurities, but he wasn't really a mainstream kind of guy. And he figured that I had that balance of knowing uh, the the regular stuff and the, the oddities that he loved as well. So I would... You know, be kind of better suited to to the role. Now, sorry for your flat tire. You missed 
Her mentor was Shelley Winters. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Did oh, you yeah. Know, know who Shelley Winters is? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just course. kidding. I'm gonna, Night of the Hunter. I'm going to exit now mm-hmm. because I was just filling in. I'm the janitor here, so until he got here. So you guys have a great rest of the show. Are you all right? Really? No, you have an you audition. Really gotta right? go. Yeah, I got to go. Good but luck. thank you. This has been a pleasure. Hey. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's got to look up more stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did his research, Bye, looked at all the Sally nudity. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. So, wow. So, um, well, anything you want to ask her or... Ah, well, I have quite a few uh, questions okay. I'd like to ask because, uh, you know, you've got such a uh, terrific resume. Thank you. Uh, and uh, one of the questions I want to ask, uh, uh, Wolf, about some of your earliest stuff. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, uh, I mean, you've got a few you credits in the early 60s, but arguably, let's say your first important film credit is uh, this uh, Western, this revisionist Western called Blue with... Uh, Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp, which was directed by Silvio Narizano, who we did, did Georgie, Georgie Girl. Girl. Yeah. And if you can talk a little bit about that gig. Well, I was dating the producer. You missed my in story. Your, in, your, in your nymphomaniac <laughs> years. Yeah. You, you missed yeah. me talking about my nymphomaniac years. I was dating See, John that's Bernard. that's what I got to do to get more work. Yeah. And he said, um, I'm going to fly you to California, and uh, you're going to be the dialogue coach because Terrence McNally is Cockney, and we've got to somehow get him to be an American cowboy. And um, meanwhile, I'm going to give you a small role in the film with jo- playing Joanna Pettit's best friend. And um, at the time, Peggy Lipton was doing her first movie. That was it. And um, so I said, sure, great. And we got out there, and the funny story I remember is that we had all done LSD, uh, me, Joanna, Peggy, but Terrence hadn't, and so he didn't know, but um, we got Peggy Lipton to make brownies with LSD in it, and we we gave it to Terrence, and he thought he was eating a brownie, and suddenly he was on LSD, and he was in ecstasy, and in that state, he hired a helicopter and took us all to Haight-Ashbury um, for X amount of days, and the Paramount icons were going crazy they were saying this is the lead of our film Mm. so they sent the paramount police or whatnot to hate ashbury to find us to bring back terrence stamp you know to do the film and we of course were all stoned out of our heads um that's one story i remember um we all had crushes on terrence stamp but i wasn't allowed to come on to him because i was dating the producer who said you know these are boundaries Um, Burt Reynolds was, um, we were making a film back-to-back with Blue called Faden, and Burt Reynolds, Reynolds was the star of Faden. I don't remember that one. And it was the making of Blue. The film was about the making of Blue, and he played a stuntman in it. Um, and, yeah, that was my first line in a studio film, 1968. But I, I was in a film with Orson Welles, wasn't I, in 1961? Uh, well, I mean, you've got you've got a few uh, cr- uh, credits going back. Um, the uh, crack in the mirror, hey, let's yeah. twist, and uh, the thirteen most beautiful women. We t- you missed the thirteen most beautiful women. We talked about that. Crack in the mirror, I believe, Orson Welles was in. Hmm. If you if you look up Sally Kirkland, Orson Welles, it'll say something like nineteen sixty one, and it'll be that film or another. I thought it was that, and. I had a very small part. I don't even remember ever seeing the film, but I remember doing it because Orson Welles was doing it. Well, and then after that, you have a, a really innovative film for the time that is still kind of a striking thing to watch now, which is uh, 
coming apart by Milton Moses Ginsburg with uh, Rip Torn. Rip Torn oh, don't don't bring up Rip Torn. Oh, yeah, Rip That's Torn a sensitive a topic. Spot. You missed that. Well, all I'm saying <laughs> is no, I was the film. just got over it ten well, minutes ago. Yeah. Ju- I just want to talk about the film okay. because the technique of the film yeah. is okay. very interesting Ahead because of time. it's done at the the setup is that his character is filming himself. Uh, in a series of encounters with a hidden camera. Hmm. So it's very kind of predating reality. Sex, tele- and videotapes. Sex, lies, and videotape and reality television. And wow. this was just on the heels of David Holtzman's diary by Jim McBride, where the central conceit was because all the credits were at the end of the movie, you spent the majority of the film thinking that this was a real story and it's only at the end that you find out everything you've seen has been staged wait a minute was this what kit kit carson david Holtzman's diary yeah. was yeah. kit carson mm-hmm. i saw that yes i went for three months to the school of visual arts of film but i was very depressed my mother said you got to go to college because you know you'll you, they'll take you in a war there was no war so i didn't she goes you got to go to college <laughs> So I, I, she goes, there's a film school. All you do is have to watch movies. And you know, you got to get some degree. And I, I went, but I was stupid. I was into film. I, would, I saw it, uh, Potemkin where they fall down steps and the eye thing. And I just, then I dropped out. I wasn't a filmmaker, but I saw the Kit Carson. Yes. And Kit married Karen Black. Yes. And had a son. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and Coming Apart is kind of like that in that, Again, since there's no credits until the end, you spend the majority of the movie thinking you're watching a documentary. I remember real seeing people. that and so ahead of its time. And no. it was X-rated, mm-hmm. and the first movie to have. Um, hey, hey, uh, what's his name? Come back, Ben. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was arguably there was a whole argument going on, and Roger Ebert was the first person to give it a rave review uh, as to whether it was porno or whether it was an art film, and we won that it was an art film, but there was a whole long Chicago... You know, you know what was the first movie... I'm, 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 this is Sally Crook, and I'm interrupting with the stupidest thing. The first movie I saw that I snuck in with nudity was The Harrod Experiment. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, uh, Don Johnson met uh, Melanie Griffith on that movie. There was a lot of nudity, and I, I snuck in. It was a, I, Midnight Cowboy was rated X when mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah. So just nutty. Well, and speaking of nutty, uh, there's... <laughs> The film that comes after that is uh, the film version of the play Futz. Right. You missed that, too. We talked about me nude on a 500-pound sow. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) It was cold. It was Stockton, California, like 20 degrees below zero, and I was nude riding this 500-pound sow to a cliff where I would fall into a stuntman's arms in case the pig went over the cliff. Um, Yeah. Well, in those days, the pigs were the cops. And so that was part of our revolution that, you know, we hated the cops. And, and she so, was, your liberal thinking was influenced by Shelley Winters, I read, right? No, no. She, Shelley came, Shelley wasn't involved with my nudity. No, no. I'm, no I mean, liberal in politics. She was oh, yeah, influence. yeah. She, she took me by the hand and, and made me join all the unions, Equity, after SAG. She had me going on strike with Equity. Um, she, told me that you can't be a great actress if you don't read the newspapers every single day and you know what's going on in the world. 
Uh, she taught me about men, that you made a list of all the men that you wanted to sleep with, and then you went through it. I got to make my list. I got to get those She gave lists. me Marilyn Monroe's fuck me shoes, which meant that they were open in the toe and open in the back. Ooh. And I wore those till they almost turned to dust. <laughs> and then she took them back to, uh, to auction them off for the actor's studio. And um, Did you complete she, your list of men? Pretty much, yeah. But, you know, I don't well, know. Who's missing was. from it? Um, well, we discussed Al Pacino, who was in love with me, but... You but had I, sex but, with him, finally. No, because okay. I remember yeah, I said he regrets. was the love that got away. Yeah. Oh. Um, He's too short. Bob Dylan was the love of my life. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. No, very few people oh do. Oh, my God. Any songs with Sally in it? Wait, there was... There are quite a few songs with Sally in it. Yes. But she'll never get Bob to say that he wrote that for me. That would be too close to home. But I was definitely with him during the recording. I, there's some Dylan songs with Sally in it. Yeah, quite a few. <coughs> wow, Dylan, love mm-hmm. a mile. No, we have we have a mutual friend, Amy Stiller. Amy Stiller is my dear friend, and um, you, you're similar. You both have exotic Manhattan upbringings with all the people coming by. Yeah. I dated her a million years ago, and I thought you can't just ring the. F- phone with Stiller and Mirror live? I thought it was like, I didn't know. I, I thought, they don't have phones with people, rings and you could, I, I didn't understand my thinking. Yeah, well, but Amy is so down to earth and real and, and Anne and what a great mother oh, she yes, had. Oh, yes, yes. Anne Mira. Anne Mira, Late, which Anne Mira. Just, just passed over. And uh, Jerry uh, Stiller. Jerry you, you forget okay. what a accomplished uh acting Broadway career he's had, not yeah. just a guy yelling on Seinfeld. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just uh And and what Gene's Ben had to go with, you know, he had a mom and dad like that and look what he became. And and I think Amy's gonna have her day in court too. Well, she you could tell her because yeah, she's the support system and everything. This is uh let me see someone sent in a long question uh from Facebook. We'll wrap this up a little Oh, this is such a long question. I thought Sally was so fantastic in the movie Anna, and I remember jumping up and down with joy when she got nominated for an Academy Award. Yikes. I can't believe it. That was 1987. I wonder if she thinks such a small film that was answered could get that kind of attention today. Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I think so. There's so many um, of those big Marvel movies. They love when there's something charming. No, like nowadays this. the campaigns are multi-millions of dollars. You know, my campaign was was not that much money, but nowadays I wouldn't be able to afford by myself uh, a campaign for an Oscar. I mean, millions of dollars are spent on campaigns. So I think that's a good question. I question whether it would have a shot. And then he asked, I wonder if she reads her Anna co-star former model Paula, I don't know how to say. Paulina. Writings about women in Hollywood. I really admire those. I didn't know anything no, about that. No, I didn't that. know anything about that. I knew she wrote children's books. But... Um, I did uh, get in contention last year for uh, a movie called uh, um, Archaeology of a Woman. And um, Rex Reed, again, gave me an extraordinary review, said it was worthy of the Oscar. And uh, Kevin Thomas had been with The Times for 40 years or whatnot, said it was worthy of an Oscar. And so I got two investors, and I went for it. Um, And I was in all of the press that talked about black sheep, you know, I was one of the black sheep, Jenna Rollins was another, Um, but I didn't get in the list of five, so I didn't make it, but I did go for it just last year. 
There was a TV movie that I know Sally was in sometime in the mid-'70s called Ladies in Waiting that takes place in the dressing room area of a large restaurant, featured so many insanely talented women as the waitresses. Yeah, Ronnie Blakely, Susan Terrell, um, Elaine Stritch, um, myself. It was written by Pat Resnick, who wrote 9 to 5. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you should have a book. Any any final questions or anything? Uh, well, ju- uh, just a couple. Um, okay. There's a a, a, cr- uh, a very curious credit of yours from uh, the 70s for a film called The Noah, where it's just your voice in it. It's about the last man on Earth and his you know fantasies of trying to keep himself you know grounded to reality while he knows that. You know, ev- everyone else is gone, and you, you had, you had a great uh, vocal role in there where you're his imagined lover who goes on an imaginary tryst with his imaginary friend. Yeah, you know, I never saw it. Uh, I remember doing it, but uh, I think they even came to my house and did the uh, vocals there. Did the, um, yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. No one's ever brought that up in my entire well, career. Well, let me ask you, summing things up, we're talking about careers, which is fascinating, but how are you doing in general? Because you're good. so great. I'm, I'm uh, you're over do... the, the traumas, and you're happy where things are. Oh, Let's yeah. talk about that. And I'm an ordained minister uh, uh, in the Church of the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness. I well, when, studied... when Amber finds that imaginary black guy, you can marry him. Yeah, yeah. I can. Okay. And there's a couple movies where I played the minister that marries the guys to each other. And one was Henry Jaglum's Hollywood Dream, and the other was uh, the movie Adam and Steve. I married Adam to Steve. Um, no, I uh, I have a film I'm not allowed to say the title of because it's going to come out on Friday in a couple of days that I'm going to shoot in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I have a film that I'm the star of called Sallywood. Ah, in January. Well, I'm um, saying you got to have a book. Yeah, I do. I'm you very lazy do. about it. I mean, these stories, I mean, these I'll interactions. Help you write it. So Thank you got to have a book. You, you got to have Thank a book. So, no, I'm just so happy. I, I I I bumped into you a few times at the Silver Spoon and at a nanny party and um you know, I know you had some heartache with the uh whatever, some lawsuits, you know. Oh, Dennis Hopper. I sued Dennis Hopper. Was you talking about that? Yeah. Oh, I thought the breast thing. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the breast thing. I had silicone that almost killed me. Yeah, and uh, that was very serious. And mm. Just just missed cancer, and. Um, so did you sued the silicone company. N- ultimately, no. But I I went public. Uh, I went very public about how dangerous it was, and all the newscasters. Gave me a lot of space. And so not to get personal, when did you get the silicon? Because I, I got it you... in 80, 86, and it came out in ninety eight. And I, I switched to saline, and that wasn't any better because the silicone holds the saline in, and okay. the water breaks down the silicone. It's made of like ninety six toxic chemicals. So you're very ear proponent against it now. Totally, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. One of my girlfriends died from it. Um, uh, breast cancer. And, Induced by that. Yeah, the, the silicone got in her blood. Ah, but Dennis Hopper, um, I did a did movie that Neil, Neil Young directed us in a movie called Human Highway. Which, you know, you talk, I got to see that. I don't know anything about that. They, and I love Neil it, Young. Um, mm-hmm. At Cine Family at recently. At Cine Family recently. I love Neil Young. What's his I never name? Heard of Your him. friend? Uh, 
Hadrian. 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 Did a whole spiel about it. Not Adrian. Hadrian. Hadrian. It's like a Jerry Lewis. Hadrian. <laughs> oh, it's like the Emperor Hadrian. I never heard it. I'm not as versed. <laughs> so it had Neil Young acting, Dean Stockwell, Russ Tamlin, Dennis Hopper, and Sally Kirkland. And Devo performs and Devo. Uh, a worried man by the Kingston Trio. We're wrapping this. Right. Amber's looking at the phone. So tell me, what did you sue? Um, uh... So he had a butcher knife, and he kept throwing it in the wall. And <laughs> he kept going to the prop man and having him, uh, what do you call it, sharpen all of his knives. And I said to Neil, you know, there's going to be an accident. He can't be throwing knives on the wall. And Neil said, yeah, I'll talk to him. But I don't think he ever did. And so I went up to him and I said, you can't do that, Dennis. You can't be throwing sharpened knives. You're supposed to dull the knife in a movie. Anyway, I, I got his hand and then the thing came down. My finger was like that for about two years. Oh, my God. Tendon yeah. was severed. Sally, this is, this is sort of like, I knew you, but this is like when we had Mitzi McCall and Charlie Brill. Do you know them? No. Oh, they, they had to follow the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. They were a uh, comedy team. Well, you fall in love. You go, amazing, huh, Amber? Yes. And Amber, you get to. I love you. Oh, thank you, Amber. You, you and you, we, yeah, and. Uh, I'm your neighbor. I'm gonna come over. I'm gonna be like, yeah, hey, girl. yeah. And uh, Ben had to leave and look up some more naked pictures. Yeah, and Ben, ben was, was here. He was just he did all his research. Mark, and thank I'm, you, Mark, for your research. Well, yeah, he I had mean, a flat tire. He, he is the is is the are you still called the movie geek? What do you call? Um, it? well, I I still call myself the movie geek. Uh, you know. Uh, it's been 10 years since the show, and you know, barely anybody remembers it anymore. I, and, I enjoyed it. Well, I it meant, well, I was a fan of yours before I was doing Beat the Geek, so when I found out that you were a fan, it was like a huge validation for me. Well, we got to go, but we'll, you keep it going in the drive. I'll take you out for lunch or all the trouble you went through if you want. Well, I won't say no. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Sally, so much. Again, Thank doing you, this interview now, I, I care about you more. I'm, no, I'm saying goosebumps. You're so sweet. I'm oh, glad you. you're happy. And yeah. uh, we'll uh, be Facebook friends, maybe. Oh, yeah. I would like that. Let's let's do that, because I see you have mutual friends. If, if they say I have too many friends, just send me a message, and then I request you. Okay. And um, Sally, again, please, Amber, watch Anna. Do you have Hulu? Yeah, I do. Watch it, please. I'll and watch it. I think you can get it on Amazon, too. Oh, I, good. I forgot. Amazon. One of them I watched it on. Yeah. Yeah, Prime. Netflix. I or, will for sure watch it. It's not uh, on Netflix right or now. Or I'm throwing one last question. Uh, oh, man, the accent. Did you learn it for that? The coach, the this? That, uh... Hindi, Om Namah Shivaya Gurave, Satchitananda Mothtaya. You hear that rolling of the R's. I combined Hindi and German, and out came Czech. Thank you. What you want? You know, you turn the W's to V's. Did you get a kick out of watching the old thing? Was that your real dog in the movie? Yeah, 18 years I had him. Oh, he I just died. I lost oh. the love of my life. My cat Mitchell was 18. Yeah, so you know. So, yeah, I still have Buddy. He was 19, so they're the best things in life. Thank you, all Thank things you. comedy, Rachel, Mark. Ben, and go to sallykirkland.com. You know what I'll do? I'm going to put this on the, uh, when we do the episode, I put links of stuff. What okay. link would you like? Sallykirkland.com, um, uh, www.healthylife.net. The Sally Kirkland shows every Monday, 10 to 11. You do have a show. Yeah. So, Amber, you're saying she could get a show. She, what, what show is this? It's, it's on healthylife.net. Okay. And I just talk to different people. 
and uh, and then I have a little local West Hollywood show every Wednesday. If you if you live in West Hollywood, Channel Thirty Six Seven to Seven Thirty, Sally Kirkland and Friends. Wow. Well, maybe one of us could be a friend someday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's you come on. It. Let me. Yeah. I'm inviting you. myself. Yeah. yeah. Like. Well, yeah. thank you so so much. Thank this is you. a delight. Oh, great. Bye, everyone. Oh.